Are you eating a cough drop right now? No. I'm Put another one in right now. <laughs> right now. I'm not going to sit here through the whole goddamn podcast. <sighs> you are going to eat cough drops through the entire thing. I was planning on it. Here. I'm going to dump all these out. There. Thank you, Mom. <laughs> oh, good Lord. <laughs> all right. Hi guys, welcome back to Wayward Fans, a supernatural podcast. I am Shannon. And I'm Liana. And I'm just going to go ahead and apologize right from the beginning. I've had a cold this whole week and it's not going away and there's probably going to be coughing. No, there is definitely going to be coughing. I'm going to keep it to a minimum as much as possible and I will be downing 8,000 cough drops. I will be shoveling so. them in her mouth. If I see her with that one in her mouth, you guys are going to hear. Yeah. Um. So I apologize for that. Uh right now <laughs> um, um go ahead <laughs> jinx i know right <laughs> you owe me a um, coke or something or something uh so we had a fight last time oh yeah and you asked me if we could mention that the reason things got so heated there's two reasons oh that's right one i was being very impatient um and two i kind of hit one of shannon's buttons and i didn't realize i had so well you didn't know about it so right it was a button i was unaware of so we were both a little heated yeah i think we were but we made up instantly too bad we didn't make up on i said on camera almost but i mean they know what you mean because right after we ended recording i called her a bitch because i was (laughs) mad at her still And but, I mean, to be fair, she calls me a bitch a lot, even when she's not mad, so it wasn't that big yeah. a deal. It's kind of like bitch and jerk. Right. Only it's mostly just bitch, and she's just Shannon, so yeah. that says a lot right there. Uh-huh. And then she called me a bitch, too, and then we hugged, and I left, and then we texted, and I told her, I'm sorry I called you a bitch. <laughs> and she said, it's okay, it's true. <laughs> it's, most, it's true most of the time, or whatever, I can't remember what you said, but we love each other. We do. Which is why we fight. Constantly. The way we fight. All the time. It's very passionate. It is. But because we love each other. And that's why we can't make up so easily. It's true. Um, I was wondering, and you can say no, if you would let me try and finish the point that I was making about Meg in that particular scene we were talking about. Or if you, you want, we can Ruby? just start. Yeah. I did mean Ruby. <laughs> I was like, hang on a second. I don't think Or if we you want, we can just Meg. go straight into the next one. Um, sure. I, you have to re- refresh the listeners we were, of the point. Um, we were arguing about when she showed up to do the spell and about whether or not it was a real spell. Um, and I was having a really hard time trying to say what I wanted to say, um, which is why I was getting frustrated because for some reason I wasn't. Okay. I have those Was moments. I arguing with you that it wasn't a real spell or that I thought she wouldn't have actually done it? You, we, we were, you were saying that it wasn't a real spell. Did I? I think. I'll have to listen because yeah, I'd have and to I could have because I was so mad. I was just like, <laughs> ah. But I, what I was trying to say is, I don't think she would have done it. But anyway, right. so, to your point. To your point. So here's what I was saying is that because um, your main point, whether it was a real spell or whether she would have done it, was kind of a moot point because your main point was that she knew Dean wouldn't want to do it. Right, right, right. And my point is that it's a big gamble for her, <coughs> um, to assume that Dean wouldn't want to do it because. I mean, yeah, if he doesn't want to do it, she's perfectly fine. No harm, no foul. But the problem is that if he does want to do it, there's, like, two outcomes to that. One, the spell's real and it works and she dies. 
Or two, the spell's not real and they kill a virgin. <laughs> it doesn't work. And then the Winchesters kill her. Right. And so I, my whole thing was like, it's really, there's no benefit to Ruby to show up without expecting that there's a huge chance she's going to die by doing what she's going to do. That, and that was my whole thing. And and I think your kind of point was that Ruby would never put herself in that type of a situation. Right. Well, because my point is I feel that she's just very sure of herself that Dean wouldn't ever go through with something like that. Right. So to her, there's no gamble in it because she's that's how confident she is in what she knows of Dean, basically. Okay. Whether so maybe she's with wrong her, it's or more not, of an arrogance thing. Exactly. I see. Whether she's wrong or not, in her mind, she feels... And I guess he's not going to do that. Right. You know? And I guess when I think of Ruby, I mean, she uh, don't get me wrong. She's very arrogant. She, she absolutely is. But I think she's also pretty smart. And I think she oh, would have. She's, ex- she she's brilliant. I don't think she would have gone on out on the limb like that. Right. Just on I, the faith of that, what Dean would say or yeah. do. And that's fine. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're going to disagree right. on that point, And right. that's totally fine. I think both of our points are very valid. So and do I. Can I. Go either way. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I just feel that she's arrogant, brilliant, yes. but arrogant, and I feel and that I think we both her, agree she's on just that. confident that yeah. she'd yeah. be like, no, he's never going to do this, so right. I'm going to say I'm going to do this, and it's going to work out for me in the fine. end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. That was all I was trying to say. I don't know why it was so hard for me to say that. <laughs> Something happened to us yeah. last, last time, because, woo. Yeah. Anyway, so, so that's how it could have gone, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> um... Today, oh, shit, the cough drop just broke, and so now my mouth is full of crap. But anyway. Well, stop chewing on it. Well, it, like, had, uh-huh. like, does it have liquid something in there? No, they're just cough drops. All right, maybe I just had a lot of saliva, because that felt like <laughs> it had one of those cherry centers or whatever. Oh, gross. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yum. I hope you guys weren't eating. Uh, okay, so today we're talking about ghost facers i love the ghost facers and long distance call the 13th and 14th episode of season three. Oh, and a heads up the next two episodes 15 and 16 we actually have broken up into two uh standalone episodes two standalone podcasts right right i should say <coughs> excuse me so um we've added in both of them we're going to be adding little extras so it's still kind of like you're getting two episodes within one podcast but you're only getting one supernatural episode right we're gonna add some stuff to just keep it so it's not super duper short or anything but yeah yeah. and we don't want to make we're we're gonna start splitting the finale the finales off onto their own podcast episodes so they're not so long and drawn out when we're having to talk about two episodes or so we don't feel pressured to keep them short exactly you know because there's usually a lot to talk about in the end There is. I mean, it's the finale. It is. Well, you know, to be expected. Yes. So, moving on. (laughs) This one was directed by Phil Segria and written by Ben Edlund. Whoa. Damn. (laughs) You need to take more day cool before we do these things. (laughs) You're like more mellow. You don't stress yourself out. (laughs) (coughs) Fuck. All right. You can't swear every time you cough. Um, so we start with the ghost facers, Harry Spangler and Ed Zedmore. It's a video intro until their new ghost facers episode. They're sitting on big chairs in front of, I think they're in front of a fire. Yeah. And they're wearing their really ridiculous suits and holding wine glasses and just being pretty arrogant little pricks. And, uh, yeah, 
to let you know what's going to be happening with the new ghost phasers. And I, I didn't take down any of the lines I should have, but I had so much I wanted to write down about this episode that <coughs> um, I kind of skimped it on the intro. Because then it goes straight into the actual episode. There's right. no, like, uh, title card or anything. It just goes straight into... Right. Well, because this was actually the pilot for the ghost phasers. Uh, show the right. web series that they did right so that's why they opened with the ghost facers credits and then they closed the episode with the with the supernatural credit right yeah um and i wrote down the lyrics to the song oh good because because i know there's something in there about kitchens and yeah. <laughs> i think i think i wrote down that line because i could not stop laughing when i right. heard it do you want me to do the song yes i'm not gonna sing it but okay i'm sorry hold on i gotta get my cat so you go ahead Okay, I'm going to do the song while she wrangles the cat. Ghost. Ghost facers. We face the ghost when others will not. We're ghost. Ghost facers. Stay in the kitchen when the kitchen gets hot. <laughs> That's what it was. Ghost. Ghost facers. We face the nightmare. We face the dread. Ghost. Ghost facers. We face the faceless. We face the dead. <laughs> In the haunted night, looking for the fight of our life with the afterlife. When you trip and fall into the supernatural, <laughs> we're who you're going to call because we face them all. Oh, my God. That's the song. That's the theme song to Ghostbusters. <sighs> That's brilliant. It's pretty amazing. I love it. Um, oh, my God. It's going to be one of those podcasts. I'm sorry. <coughs> So they did a 2010 web series. There's like 10 episodes. And they actually did it at a con um, with Misha. Oh, did some they fans. really? Yeah. They oh, I've seen it. one of those. Yeah, I've seen one of those. <coughs> so anyway, so is that it for your opening or did you have more? Uh, pretty much what I said leading up to the theme song, which I loved, was that if you've ever watched Ghost Hunters and Supernatural, you've pretty much seen this entire episode intro like the whole intro is pretty much just that right you're you're covered ghost hunters was a show that i loved did you ever watch ghost hunters yeah i loved that show until the skinny dude quit (laughs) remember when he quit he was i didn't watch it like that so i've just seen like a couple episodes i used to well because i you guys probably don't know this but i tend to binge watch things (laughs) No, no you don't but uh so I did a huge binge on Ghost Hunters, and oh, okay. there's, like, two parts. There's, like, the first part where they're, like, doing some real legit stuff, and they have, like, some really genuine conversations about what they're doing. And then there was a point where the skinny guy quit, and it really went downhill from there. And what I learned is that the main reason he quit is because they had been staging a lot of this stuff. Oh, really? That was showing up on the show, and he didn't agree with that because he was actually Trying there to, to actually, like, legit. hunt the paranormal yeah. and... It was, it was something he really believed in, so he quit, and then the show went on, and it, it stopped after that. That's a bummer. It was like watching Ghost Facers. It, it was. Only, probably not as good. <coughs> That's hilarious. Yes. But, so. I'm sad. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. I'm, you know what? I think I'm okay. <laughs> okay, so they do this in a mockumentary type style, like a, a ghost hunter show. Mm-hmm. Um, Phase one. I love that they're... <laughs> Talking about how they work at Kinko's and they can always get off by six. <laughs> so it really, it really helps their ghost hunting or ghost facing, oh rather. Oh, God. So we get to meet 
uh, Corbett. He's an intern that they have. And uh, Spruce and Maggie. I love who's Spruce. Who's the adopted sister. Spruce, what does he say? I'm 15th, 16th Jew, 116th Cherokee. And I think that's it. Well, that's a little further down when they're doing because they. I like it because they have like phase one homework. And it's like when they're oh, supposed yeah, to yeah, be yeah. doing their research. But yeah, so we meet all of those guys. And then throughout the the homework instance, we get to talk to them about who they are and where they came from. Um, Dang it. I thought I wrote the phases down. I have them. Okay, cool. <laughs> but so in homework, we do meet. We meet Harry and Ed, obviously. Maggie, Maggie is Ed's adopted sister. Corbett's the intern. And Spruce is the camera guy. And we learn that they're going to visit the Morton house. Which, once every leap year, it becomes the most haunted place in America. And uh, right. that's also when we get to see Corbett bring Ed his coffee. Is that when we see that he's like that has in a love massive with crush, a crush on him? <laughs> <laughs> it's the cutest thing because he hands it to him and Ed's like, oh, French vanilla. And Corbett's like, yeah. Yeah. And he's I all proud you, of himself. I knew you liked it. <laughs> he like, walks away. It's just so cute. So, Ghostfacers think that nobody has uh, stayed the night. Um, oh, Corbett thinks his, Spruce's beard is big and beautiful. No, it's <coughs> it's Ed's beard. Who did I say? Spruce? You said Spruce, yeah. Um, yeah, because that's when they're, like, asking about him. Yes. About the other ones, and he's like, Ed's nice, and his, his beard is just big and beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then the dad shows up <laughs> and opens the garage, the garage and it just ruins your like info oh my wall. God. Dad! <laughs> then you hear him all, we're, we're going to edit this out. <laughs> right. We're going to edit this out. <sighs> so then they get to the Morton house and they hear somebody coming. And so they hide and it's the Winchesters driving by with like Sam putting his, pointing the flashlight out, like looking around. And uh, you can hear Dean's music playing. And they drive by and they, they're like, okay, they're not, not cops, just hicks. Just, just dicks is what they say. Oh, just dicks? I yeah. thought he said hicks. No, they say dicks. Um, that makes more sense. This is just because, I'm sorry, I forgot to say, but this is phase two. Infiltration. Right. Right. <laughs> but yeah, so the um, Impala drives up and we can hear uh, <coughs> them jamming out uh, Grand Funk Railroad. Yeah. Good time. And so they go inside, and they're going to make the living room area Eagle's Nest, the Eagle's command nest. center. <laughs> so they're getting all the cameras set up. I love the montage. What is, uh, he spin the tires and light the fires. Yeah. <laughs> so the ghost facers set up the cameras, and then they kind of move through the house. Um, oh my god. Sorry, I wrote this line, and it's so funny, because... Uh, I think Corbett is freaking out, and Ed says, calm the whirlwinds of your mind. Yeah. <laughs> That's a little... Okay. So they meet up, back, they meet up the... back at Eagle's Nest, and they talk <coughs> about their whole plan on what they're going to do. Um, and Corbett walks in, and he's wearing all of his, like, military stuff, and, he right, and they're like, right. dude, you look like RoboCop. He's like, you guys really think I look like RoboCop? And that's when they do their whole, everybody put your hands in, and they go, ghost pieces. Pieces. That's... I had, to, I had to put in that part. Sorry. But yes, then uh, 
everybody starts flipping out because they saw something upstairs and uh Ed tells them to calm the whirlwinds of their minds. <laughs> um So the other group's camera's flipping out. Yes, the ones that are upstairs, yeah. And that's Spangler and Maggie, right? Cuz yes. they see the the they're the, the first ones to see the ghost. The little, yeah. And it's a dude getting shot. Yes. And then I guess I don't I was writing these down really, really fast, so that's probably why I'm jumping ahead, because I'm just writing lines down that are sit out. Because oh, okay. this is when Ed says, rats are like the rats of the, the world. world. <laughs> so I love it, because they're walking around upstairs, and he's got the EVP thing out, and he's like, things are cool, things are cool, but like the EVP's like going nuts. Yeah. And he's just like, this is normal. <laughs> I'm like, you guys, she's <laughs> at least learned something since the last time we saw you. Um, and then they're not even phased by the fact when the camera starts getting all sketchy and like (laughs) spruce is just like hey guys this isn't working and they're like oh that's weird i'm like you guys yeah and then he sees the rat and he screams and runs down the hall right and i'm wondering if this is the first time they've actually encountered real ghosts other than when the winchester saved them the first time well and yeah yeah that's definitely a possibility because I don't think they actually really know what they're looking for. Right. Well, they clearly don't know how the EMF machine works or right. that ghosts generally tend to interfere with lights and electronics in general. Right. So. Yeah. They're... <sighs> and so then they start hearing a noise. We go back down to Eagle's Nest and they hear a noise around the corner in one of the hallways and they go to investigate and it's the Winchesters. Pretending to be cops. Yes. Asking for everybody's IDs. Anna. Then Ed remembers them. <laughs> I love it when they recognize them. And, and they're like, oh. And then <laughs> So my favorite part of this whole episode is that we actually get to see them swearing. That's what I say. <laughs> Dean finally gets to say the fuck, the yeah. fuck word. The F word. The fuck word. Because <laughs> <coughs> I love it. And he's just like, fuck. And I think even Sam was like, oh, shit. Because, <laughs> yeah, I love that. And, uh. Ed tells, because uh, Dean's telling him they have to leave. He's like, you guys have to get out of here. You shouldn't be in here. And Ed goes, listen here, chisel chest. That is one of my favorite lines. <laughs> yes. I wrote that down. But yeah, I remember because Ed remembers them and he's like, hey, you're the two goofballs from West Texas. <laughs> or no, no, that's what Sands. He's like, oh yeah, you're the two goofballs from West, West Texas, Texas when we took out the Tulpa. Okay. And then that's when Dean goes, fuck me. <laughs> And I was all like, yes, yeah, he gets to drop the apple. And they just put a little skull over yeah. his mouth and do a beep. I love it. It was so good. And Dean actually remembers the guy's name and that he had a partner. And he's like, oh, yeah, Ed, you had a partner, right? And he's tell- and Dean is telling him that they need to leave. And that's when Ed's like, all right, chisel chest. <laughs> um, Ed tells the boys that they were there first and so that... They're not going anywhere. They're going to stay. And Dean, you know, is laughing because he thinks it's funny. I love that part, too, because it cuts at one point to Harry's head cam. And you can just see how he's looking back and forth between, like, Sam and Dean. Oh, what the fuck are these guys doing here? That was a pretty cool Well, I thought... Am I I skipping ahead? Well, I thought they were still... No, I think you are. Because, okay, yeah. Because that's when Spangler and Maggie see... Oh, okay. So they haven't reconvened yet. 
they're still broken into two groups. You're right. You're right. The Winchesters had just come in. Okay. And, and Maggie and Harry are upstairs and they're still seen. Yeah. The... Okay. So that interaction is happening with Ed and the Winchesters. And then we go back to Spangler. And, and we see them we see upstairs. The 40s I see. Dude getting okay. shot. And then they come running down. <coughs> right. And then you're right. And then once they come down and everybody's like, who are they? And that's when they cut to Ed's head cam. And right. he's just like looking back and forth. And so now they're all like in Eagle's Nest and... The ghost faces are saying nobody's ever stayed there before. And Sam's like, actually, you're wrong. Tons of people have stayed here. And he's, like, listing off all the names. Um, and they've all and died. They've all gone missing um, at midnight. We need to get out of here because at midnight we're all going to die. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that's when Spangler and Maggie come running down about yelling about a class four apparition that they just uh. saw. Okay, okay. Then Spangler sees them. He's like, hey, aren't those the two fuckers from Texas? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this episode is amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. oh, and the man. faces, the faces the Winchesters make when he says that. I just, uh, I had to just rewind it a couple times. Oh. I was just dying of laughing. I need to go watch their faces. I watch their faces. Yeah, I think I just, just like, end up laughing too much with all the... Yeah. The lines are just so great. So then Dean gets tries to get them to leave with the promise of ice cream. He's like, come oh, yeah. on, let's go. I'll go get ice cream. <laughs> <coughs> and, uh, but the ghost facers aren't listening. They're all like, uh huh. Okay. Sorry, go ahead. <coughs> They're all like gathered around the monitor watching what Maggie and Spangler just saw. And, uh, they're watching the playback. And that's when, I guess, Sam or Dean point out that it's actually an echo and not right. a ghost. It's right. a ghost echo. Right. Or, excuse me, a death echo. A death echo. And uh, I think it's Ed who's like, or Spruce, one of them are like, excuse me, what's a death echo? Because Sam and Dean are like over in the corner and they're well, all around I the monitors. I think we skipped a part because at that point, um, Corbett has already run off. He has, but we don't know it yet because they do it um, over here. Okay. Okay, you're the, right. The two, the Winchesters walk off, and Sam's like, "Maybe it's not what we thought it was. That's a death you're echo." Right, blah, you're blah, right. You're right. Okay. And one of the ghost faces here, I can't remember if it was Spruce. Ed or Spruce. It's yeah, Spruce. Okay. Because he's and the he's one that like, follows them around through the whole so thing. So what's a death echo? Right. And that's when Sam or Dean turns well, around. Dean's like, "Fuck off!" Yeah. Basically. <laughs> yeah. And Sam's like, it's a ghost, basically, who's reliving how they died over, over and over. over. You have to. Right. He's like, sometimes you can snap them out of it and they'll move on. And then that's when, or, and then he says, usually in the same place, they're reliving their death in the same place. And it's as dangerous as a scary movie. And so then the boys are like physically pushing them out. They're like, come on, it's time to okay. go. Yeah, yeah. And then that's when they're like, hey, where's, where's Corbett? Corbett? And Corbett's just like, happy face walking around so well because he's not happy he's like freaked out which i was like wow corporate not only was that stupid that was also pretty ballsy because you were pretty fucking scared right and um, i was like why is this dude right wandering around i was by himself? so unhappy i'm like why would you do that like yeah he wanted to impress uh ed yeah and so then he sees but he's trying to communicate with the spirits yes just running off by himself and this big scary motherfucker shows up behind him and just starts dragging them away. Did you see it follows? Yeah. The big scary guy in this reminded me of the big scary guy from It Follows. Okay. 
You remember that one? Yeah, he I walks behind I did her in the room. not like that movie. Yeah, no, I know <coughs> who you're talking about. I was like, whoa, it looks like the It Follows guy. That movie sucked. I really like that movie. <laughs> but anyway. Um, and so they all hear Corbett screaming. Right. So the ghost faces run off to help. Sam and Dean are still trying to stop them with no luck. And that's when Sam drops the F-bomb. And I put in parentheses, at least I'm going to assume all of these bleeps are fucks. <laughs> well, some of them are Because they certainly bad. look like it. Um, And they can't find Corbett. And the boys start ushering them back out well, again, but it's sorry, too late we, at this point. I want to... Um, Excuse me. Right. So what I really liked about the scene where Corbett gets taken is um, you hear him screaming, uh-huh. and then right when his scream stopped, they add a caption that says Morton House, 11.59 p.m. Oh, really? Yeah. I loved that caption. I didn't catch that. I thought that. that was really well placed, which for the Ghost Facers, I was quite impressed. I'm like, yeah, wow, you guys, that was some really solid editing. Yeah, right? <laughs> Props to you there. But yeah, that's when they try and get out and they can't. All of the doors and windows are sealed. Right, because they can't find them. The boys are trying once again to usher them. And then they're like, it's 12.04. Fuck, it's too late. <laughs> and then so Sam and Dean fight. And Sam is mad that Dean wanted to hunt in the Morton house because this it's is, like our Grand that's Canyon. That's my favorite. <laughs> Let's go hunt the Morton house, you said. It's our Grand Canyon. <laughs> and he's like, Cause, you know, you only have two months left, but now we're going to die here. Right. So the boys explain to the ghost facers that they're basically on a supernatural lockdown. That every exit's going to be sealed. And then you see Maggie and Spangler hold hands at this point. Aww. And then a different echo shows up. Dean goes and he tries to shock the echo out of its loop. <laughs> so, hey, you're dead! We're Be dead! dead. <laughs> He's like, wake up! Be dead! <laughs> <coughs> I was laughing my ass off. I was off. laughing so hard. And they're like, what is he doing? And this part was so cool because then it gets hit by a train and like just the animation of the ghost yeah. being flown back, you know, like. Yeah, oh. that was really I cool. I was like, wow, that's awesome. And then they're really confused because they're like, what in the fuck? Like, why would there be two and who the hell gets hit by a train in the middle in, of the house? Exactly. Um, So I guess they did their research or... They had they're, done their research because they're like, nobody was ever shot here. and Definitely nobody was ever hit by a train here. And so they go looking around to find more. And then info. Sam actually starts explaining to the camera what a death echo is again. Um, and then we also see Dean with Maggie. She's following him with the camera and he asks her if looking through the camera during this nightmare helps her. And she's like, uh, No. And uh, then, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it does. Which is an awesome reference to the Blair Witch. Right. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. I was very excited when I heard that. Yeah. The most scary movie you've ever seen. Ever. Ever. So we find out that Freeman Doggett, Daggett was the last uh, owner of the house. Uh, he was officially commended for 20 years of fine service at the Gamble General Hospital as the janitor. He died of a heart attack in 1964. The dude has, like, a bunch of army rations that could last a lifetime. Uh, and Ed is EMF reading Dean. <laughs> is <laughs> he really? Yeah. He's, like, doing that around Dean, and Dean just looks at him. Again, I wrote Dean's face. It's hilarious. You're just, the I need to watch best. that. I didn't even notice that Ed was doing yeah, that. Yeah, because when they're all in there and he's like, look at all these army rations. And he turns around and he's just like, 
running the emf meter over bean <laughs> that is awesome um then they find that like lockbox dean finds three toe tags in there one death by gunshot one by train and one by suicide and sam and dean already know why the death tags are there and yes. sam just goes ew right and then the boys have the Winchesters have to explain to Spangler and Ed why the death echoes are there. So, because their bodies are still there because, because Daggett, Daggett brought them home. Brought them home with him. And then he looks right at the camera and goes, To play. Yes. <laughs> and, <coughs> ew. Yeah, it takes them a minute, but they finally, it finally get registers, there. yeah. And it's hilarious. I just love Dean straight to the camera. To play. To play. <laughs> So, Dean then realizes that Maggie's missing, and she's also off alone searching for Corbett. And I wrote, WTF? Why are you going alone? I know. What are you doing? You guys, can we learn from other people's mistakes, maybe? Yeah. But luckily, she was just, like, in the other room, I guess, or whatever, because she, when she turns around, yeah. Dean's, Dean's, like, right, right there. in her face, so. He brings her back closer to the herd, as he says. And he goes, Stay. <laughs> Stay closer to the herd. <coughs> so then more electronic freakout is happening. Sam disappears. Then Sam! Sammy! Yeah. Happens. Yeah. Um, so they all break apart and start searching. And Maggie and Spangler start making out. <laughs> Someone's recording it. You don't know who yet. Ed walks in on him. Ed gets really mad that Harry might be banging his sister. Then tells Spruce to hold his glasses. <laughs> and then he attacks Harry. That's a really, really sad little fight. <laughs> yeah. Dean shows up and he's like, what the fuck are you doing? And I wrote, yay, fuck. <laughs> Dean breaks up the fight and then continues to yell for Sam. And Ed goes back to Spruce to get his glasses. And he's like, I won that, right? Yeah. Ed wants to make sure he won on camera. <laughs> Sam and Corbett are tied to a dining table. There's dead partygoers sitting around with them. Oh. And the It's My Birthday, I Can Cry If I Want To is playing on an old record. So Big Scary Dude from It Follows is pushing a blunt metal object through the back of Corbett's throat, neck. Ugh. All while saying, this won't hurt. It's okay. Relax. Relax. That was... All while Sam is watching this. This was a really great use of the head cam. Yeah. You know, because that's how you really know that Corbett has died, just because you're seeing Sam only through Corbett's head cam. Right. That was just really well done, I thought. It's really shitty for Sam. Yeah, it is. Sam watches a lot of people die. I know. What the fuck? Um, So Dean goes back to the pile of info that they had on Daggett. <clears throat> and comes to the conclusion that Daggett was scared based on all of the stuff that he was hoarding. And he was like an old Cold War nut. So this all pieces together in his brain that the guy is going to have a bomb shelter somewhere. So he goes off looking for that. Sam! <laughs> Sorry! <laughs> exactly. He goes down to the basement. Dean and Spruce go through the door and then it slams shut separating the group again. This is one of my favorite parts. D 
Dean tells them <laughs> that, you know, that the spirit wants to separate them. And he, they need to go to the duffel, make a circle, and get the salt out, make a circle, and stay in it. The ghost facers look really confused, Ed and Harry, and they go, the duffel? <laughs> get in your duffel bag? <laughs> and Dean's, no, the salt, you idiot! <coughs> so Ed and Harry and Maggie go downstairs and get in a salt circle. Ed tells Harry that if they don't die, it's totally okay if he does assist her. And Maggie's like, nice. Right. And she hits him. <laughs> the electronics freak out. And then the death echo of Corbett shows up next to them. How awful. Right? That's how you find out that Corbett hasn't made it. Exactly. Ugh. So then we're back with Dean and Spruce. And Spruce is actually asking Dean about the two months because he overheard Sam talking about how Dean only had two months left. Mm -hmm. And I really like this because he's about to, like, explain it to Spruce. You could see he's about to say something and then he goes, no, 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 no. Right. I'm not going to whine about my fucking problems to a fucking reality TV show. I'm going to do my fucking job. (laughs) I love that part so much. And then Spruce, is it cancer? cancer? Shut up! (laughs) (laughs) so then dean hears the music he finds the door behind like some old cabinet he moves it all by himself and spruce goes wow Wow, you're strong strong. (laughs) dean flips it off yes (coughs) wow you're strong that whole part oh my god i love that spruce is the one following dean around me too i just love it me too so Dean breaks in uh, into the bomb shelter just in time to save Sam, who is about to have suffer the same fate as Corbett. Mm-hmm. That whole thing is pretty horrific. Just a whole table full of dead people yeah. at a birthday party with like a cake there. And a song and, playing. And he's like dressing them up with like party hats and shit. And oh. he sealed them in there. So they right. died of starvation. Basically. Well, no, they were already dead. Oh, Remember, those he the brought the bodies? cadavers okay, back. Okay, yeah, those right, were the right, cadavers right. he brought back. Because I thought he said, for some reason, when they were talking about, because um, when, uh, what's his face, Sam mm-hmm. tells Dean he sealed them in there at midnight and then left. I, for some reason, assumed he was talking about live people. I oh, I see. I completely forgot about the dead people he brought <laughs> home with him. Anyway. Um, so then it goes back to the three in the salt circle. And they're obviously upset by seeing Corbett. So and Ed is calming himself by singing the Ghostbusters theme song. <laughs> which is hilarious. Um, and then it goes back to Spruce and Dean and, and Sam now. And Spruce is asking the boys what Daggett's problem was. And they're saying basically loneliness. Daggett sealed them in the shelter at midnight, went upstairs and OD'd on horse tranquilizers. And Sam knows because Daggett told him, apparently. Oh, and then this is when we go back and Harry is now singing the theme song. The electronics freak out. Corbett comes back. Ed wants to try and pull him out of his loop. So he leaves the salt circle. We go back to Dean and he's trying to smash open the door. And Sam asks Spruce while he's still recording. And Dean tells him, it makes him feel better. (laughs) The electronics freak out on them. Daggett shows up and throws Spruce across the basement. Then we go back to Corbett and the three in the circle. And Harry tells Ed that 
Corbett had feelings for him and that he needs to be gay for that poor dead intern. (laughs) (laughs) (coughs) This whole part. You gotta send him into the light. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So Ed tries to snap Corbett out of his echo again and Ed is crying while he's telling Corbett that he loves him. Which is so sad. I know. I actually got choked up. Yeah. I I thought this was going to be like funny or ridiculous. And then he goes out there and he starts crying. Yeah. Ed, what are you doing? You're not supposed to make me feel this way. You're ridiculous. It was pretty surprising. So he's actually able to get Corbett to snap out. And Ed asks him for help. He's like, you got to help us. Right. The scary dude shows up in the basement again, throws Sam and Dean across the basement as well. He approached, he approaches Spruce as if he's going to kill him. But then Corbett appears and just takes Daggett out. I really like um, that. <coughs> Do you have a cough drop in your mouth? Okay. <laughs> I really like that we get to see ghosts kill each other in yeah. this show. Because yeah. like, this is the second time now, I think. Because we saw it in Red Sky at morning with the two yeah, sailors. Yeah. Um, I just really like that. That's something I don't think I've ever seen anywhere before. It's it's a good effect. It is. I like it. So they're all leaving. We're getting a voiceover by Harry and Ed. Um, and, and we're seeing see- we're still seeing like kind of a interaction between the Winchesters and them, and the voiceover is saying. We lost a beloved friend, but gained allies, and it's the Winchesters and the boys like shaking hands and, and they hugging give him, and stuff. Well, and they give them their number. Right. I was like, ah, that was really nice of you guys. <laughs> so then, where it cuts away, and it's Ed and Harry in, in their, their suits fire doing their, their yeah. little intro thing again. Um, gay love can pierce through the veil of death and save the day. <laughs> Is a line I wrote down. Because oh, no, one of the ones that's that I, hilarious. One of the ones that I wrote down is Harry says, <laughs> The ghost facers were forced to face something far more scary than ghosts. <coughs> they were forced to face themselves. Right. <laughs> and then they end it with Corbett saying, Oh my god. I think god. tonight all of our dreams are going to come true. Oh my god. And I was like, That's so fucking I know, depressing. It and was. Sad. I loved it. Yeah, it really was. And then we realize so, that they're showing, this is what they're showing to the Winchesters. Right. The Winchesters are watching and they're like, yeah, it's good. I actually, and Dean's like, I actually like it. And you're seeing Dean put something down next to his legs, like a bag. Mm-hmm. And they leave. And that's when we, actually, it's when they're talking to him about what do you guys think is when we finally start seeing the opening credits. Right. For Supernatural. Right. That's And it was like at that moment when I realized, oh, we didn't even see these at yeah. the beginning. Right. That's pretty cool. So Sorry, they leave, and Ed notices the bag. Menudo left their dance bag behind. Oh my god! Menudo. So they open it, and it's an electromagnetic bomb. Electromagnetic. Thank you. And it completely wipes their hard drives and yeah, all of that. So stuff. the show's totally gone. And uh, we cut outside. And- Sam says, we clean, and then we just hear them all screaming. Yeah. <laughs> and they get in the car. <laughs> we- and then Dean says, it's too bad, I kind of like the show. And D- and Sam goes, it had its moments. Yeah. 
Oh, so, my God. Um, <clears throat> so episode. I love that episode. I actually couldn't find anything about Death Echoes. Oh, really? Yeah. I think that's something that they actually made up for this show. Oh. All right. Um, but if you'd like, <laughs> we can talk about Echo, the, uh, the nymph in Greek mythology. Okay. So this is, sorry. I was like, ooh, Echoes, Echoes. I am... I think echoes are the coolest thing. I don't know. Ever since I was a little kid, I would always run around, like, making echoes. And... You know where I used to like to make echoes? Yeah. Well, yes. Oh, okay. I thought they were very exciting. <laughs> I just think it's fun. I learned something new about you every time we have a podcast. Because <laughs> I was a really nerdy kid. <laughs> um, Usually it's a pet peeve. Oh, shut up. <laughs> I have a lot of those. So, um, I just wanted to share the story of Echo and Narcissus because everybody knows who Narcissus is. Narcissus is. <laughs> um, so, uh, but a lot of people don't know about his story with her. So, um, as you may or may not know, Zeus cheated on his wife Hera a lot. And one of the things that he'd like to do is come down from Mount Olympus and consort with the nymphs. And Echo was a mountain nymph who was known for being very talkative and very fond of singing. And one day when Hera came down from Olympus, hoping to catch Zeus in the act, Echo uh, tried to protect him by distracting Hera with very long conversations. Um, And when Hera learned what Echo had done, she cursed her from being unable to say anything but the last few words that were spoken to her. Um, And so Echo, being very saddened by this, she left and went to live in the woods to be left alone. Um... <clears throat> sometime after that curse happened she saw a young man who was part of a hunting party and immediately fell in love with him this was narcissus he was well known for his beauty and he was so proud of his own beauty that he had great disdain for anybody who loved him um he became separated from the hunting party and while he was alone and trying to find his way back he called out is anyone there and uh he heard the same question repeated back to him because echo had been following him um, and so he called out again, come here. And then he heard her say, come here. And so he thought that meant she was running away from him. And so he said, come here. And she says, come here. And he gets frustrated and he yells out, um, come this way. We must be together. And when she heard him say that, she took it for him saying that he loved her and he needed to be with her. And so she got very excited and she ran to, um, to throw her arms around him and, uh, when she did that, he pushed her away from him and he said, uh, hands off. May I die before you enjoy my body? And Echo just kind of whispered back to him, enjoy my body, and then left because she was very devastated and humiliated. Um, it was at that time when Nemesis, the god of justice and retribution, saw Narcissus doing this in the woods and uh, got very angry with him. And so she lured him to a pool. Um a pool of water and echo followed him just to see where he was going. Cause she was still, you know, crazy about him. And that's where narcissist saw his reflection and fell in love with it. Not realizing that it was just an image of himself. <laughs> um, and echo stood there and watched. Cause if you know the story of narcissist, he stayed at that pool. He never left the pool because he was so in love with this image that he saw that he actually died of starvation. there. And echo watched as this whole thing unfolded. Um, And as he was wasting away, the last words that he said was, Oh, marvelous boy, I loved you in vain. Farewell. 
and Echo is able to say farewell to him as he died. Um, <coughs> Echo also refused to leave Narcissus, the spot where Narcissus had died. Uh, and she stayed there forever, also wasting away. And her beauty faded, and her skin shriveled, and her bones turned to stone. And today, all that remains of Echo is the sound of her voice. Aww. How sad. I love that story. <laughs> yeah, so sorry. I know we are supposed to talk about, like, supernatural stuff, but... It's like a worse Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, yeah. That's a big thing in Greek mythology there's a lot of tragedy people die oh yeah definitely meaningless death a lot <laughs> there's the phases i knew i wrote them down oh, did somewhere you? <laughs> oh my god i was looking at imdb uh-huh at the actors aj buckley the guy who plays ed is yeah. super fucking handsome really yes really you need to look it up no. i was all holy crap yeah huh I guess I'll have to look that up because he's certainly kind of dweeby looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I was watching the episode and I pulled it back and uh, looked at IMDb, looked up at the TV (laughs) and I was like, no way. So yeah, you definitely need to check it out because he, I mean, he's not like this fucking hot stuff, but he got But a lot different than what you expect. Look at that. What? Right? He's a handsome no, dude. He's that a handsome can't dude. be him. It is. Seriously? Yes. His eye- Guys, go IMDb. You need to, because this is ridiculous. You can IMDb Ghost Facers, because they had their own show, or just AJ Buckley. Um, What and does Corbett say his beard is? His what? His beard. Big and beautiful. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it, it got very, very big beautiful. Very beautiful. Yeah. He's just very, like... Classy looking. Yeah, like he, <laughs> very GQ. He could totally be GQ Oh, cover. yeah, absolutely. That anyway. is so crazy. I know, right? <laughs> I had to share that with you. I'm glad that we feel the same way because it'd be really upset <laughs> if you were like, no. Oh, Shannon. Um, so, okay. Really quick. Body count is one. Corbett, Corbett. obviously. Right. So I got a bunch of stuff. A lot of it is actual ghost facer stuff, and I think just some of it is for the actual episode. So, this was actually the first episode filmed after the strike ended, and they think they say that there's a meta element to this episode, which is as an unscripted show, is the type of programming that was predicted to replace scripted dramas, like Supernatural, had the strike continued. Okay. So they thought this is how TV would was going to end up. Exactly. It was basically going to just be all reality TV. Exactly. Boo, that would have sucked. Right? <coughs> so, John DeSantis, who played Daggett, also plays the Gollum in season eight. Everybody Hates Hitler. <gasps> I love that episode. Plays the Gollum I in that episode. I always forget about that episode. Um, this episode was nominated for a Glad Media Award. Um, for Outstanding Individual Episode in a series without a regular LG- LGBT character. Wow. Um, hold on, I have a little bit more on that. Um, I thought... Yeah, so GLAD is Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation. Definitely. Defamation. 
Um, yeah, and they announced that they were nominated for it because wow. that whole Corbett and Ed thing. Aww. They really liked that. Um, it did lose, though, to an episode of The New Adventures of Old Christine. All right. But I thought it was really cool that it got nominated. That is, that's a really cool nomination. So, um, Ed and Harry first appeared, obviously, in Hell House back in season one. Yep. Um, this episode is presented as a pilot episode for Ghost Facers. So, for the first time, supernatural credits occur at the end. Um, this episode takes place in Wisconsin based on the plates on their car. And the deer head that we see regularly is in uh, the Morton house. It's on the wall. Is it really? Uh-huh. I need to start keeping a closer eye out for that damn deer head. That deer head and the clock are two, like, regular props. Oh, yeah, the clock. Dang the it. The starburst clock. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, Zedmore and Spangler are references to Winston Zedmore and uh, Egon Spangler from Ghostbusters. And Ghostfacers is obviously, you know, without saying, goes to Ghostbusters. <laughs> um, the Ghostfacers made an appearance at Comic-Con in 2008. And there's actually a video of them crashing a Supernatural panel. Is there really? Yeah, just go to YouTube and search SPN panel hyphen Ghostfacers. It's pretty funny. I'm going to have to watch yeah. that. Um, they have they had their own Ghostfacers website. It's no longer active. Ooh. Um, they had... <laughs> I had to print this whole thing out, what it says, because it was really funny. Um, so they had their own website where you could go and um, join the movement. And on registration, the person would receive an email that says... Upon receipt of this email, please print the following statement, sign it, and keep it for your records. I, Shannon, accept and affirm the existence of ghosts, specters, apparitions, and their asserted manifestations, therefore. Assorted manifestations, therefore. Thereof. Jesus Christ. Moreover, I accept and affirm the logical probability of vampires, vengeful spirits, ancient curses, Zoroastrian hoodoo, devils, demons, ghouls, gargoyles, witchcraft, lycanthropes, <laughs> werewolves, werats, werebeasts in general, etc., <laughs> etc., et and moreover, that it is our duty to face them. Hereupon and henceforth, however, I hold blameless and infinite me completely Ed Zedmore, ha- Harry Spangler, Maggie Zedmore, and Kenneth Warren Spruce for any and all trauma, both physical, mental, that might befall my person as a result of being exposed to the shadow world, agreed and accepted by sign in the ear. So you would get that if you signed up on oh, their website. Oh, man. Which, unfortunately, is no longer active. I man, that was a missed opportunity. Right? So in, I totally would have printed that and framed it. Right? <laughs> so in September 2008, the team starred in a tie-in comic written by Eric Kripke called The Beast with Two Backs, released by Rising Sun 6 in August of 2008. It's a four-page comic that was penned by Eric Kripke with Peter Johnson, and it stars the Ghostfacers and humorously pokes fun at the comics and the show, as well as Jared and Jensen. The title is a reference to the phrase to make the beast with two backs, which is slang term for having sex. <laughs> Most famously used in Shakespeare's Othello and used on, by James Joyce. It's on wiki. They had some of the panels and it's pretty funny. Yeah. I want to see if I can get the whole thing. That would be pretty cool. It, I mean, it's only four pages. So right. I can't imagine it would be difficult. Yeah. 
Um, so let's see. The very first Ghost Facers convention was in October of 2009. It was run by, uh, it was called Hellhounds. It was run by Rogue Events in New York. And that's when a webisode was filmed during the con featuring Misha Collins and lots of fans. Yep. So I was like, oh, I bet you Leanna saw that. <laughs> what makes you say that, Shannon? <laughs> but yeah, there's 10 of them. And I think that's all I have. Yeah. If you went to the website uh, a week before this episode aired, it contained video interviews with all of the Ghost Facers and Corbett. Aww. They had it on the CW website, but no, no more. Oh, and uh, in 2009, they started their own... Um, they started the site and their videos, including the instructional video watched by Sam and Dean oh, in yay. season four, could be viewed I there. I love that video. <laughs> I just watched that episode the other day. <coughs> so, yeah. Those are my things mostly about the Ghost Facers, like I said. But I thought it was a lot of interesting stuff about it. It was, yeah. And since this was a Ghost Facer episode, I thought it's it would like be appropriate. It's like Ghost Facer episode. Um, so, what's your favorite moment? Uh, at the bit at the end when Spruce is talking to Corbett while he's loading up the van and he says that all their greatest dreams are going to come true. Right, right. I really like that part. That was a really good way for them to end their show. Yes. I really liked that. I thought it was, you know, nice little heartfelt. What was your favorite moment? But my favorite, I think I'd have to go with the duffel bag. <laughs> when they're, they thought... They, Dean wanted them to get, to get in into the duffel bag. Um, I think my favorite line is when Dean turns around and says, I'm, you know, I'm not talking about my fucking problems with fucking reality TV show. I'm just here to do my job. And when Harry says that rats are like... Rats are the rats, rats of the, the world. world. Yeah. <laughs> Those are my two favorite lines. I have three. Okay. Uh, at the very beginning when they're talking to everybody and learning who they are and Spruce is talking about like his 15th whatever. Right. Uh, his line where he says, my great great grandfather was a degenerate gambler and uh, with a peyote addiction. I liked that one. Sam, when he says, let's go hunt the Morton house. It's our Grand Canyon. Right. <laughs> and then Sam at the very end, after they've finished watching the video that the Ghost Facers made, he says, uh, it's bizarre how you guys are able to honor Corbett's memory while grossly exploiting the man's death. <laughs> right, right. <coughs> um, my favorite song in this is the Ghost Facers theme song. There you go. Because it's that or it's my birthday and I can cry if I want to. So You didn't like Grand Funk Railroad? Oh, yeah. I An forgot American that's band. in the beginning. Yeah. I still went with the theme song. Yeah, that's a pretty good choice. <laughs> hilarious. That is a pretty good choice. But yeah, that's uh, what I got. That's what I've got too. Alrighty, so I guess we'll take a break so I can try to cough out a lung and and hopefully she'll still be alive when yeah. we get back. Hi guys. Hopefully. Well, we'll be back in a minute, guys. <laughs>
Welcome back, guys. So, moving right along to Long Distance Call, directed by Robert Singer and written by Jeremy Carver. So, this we open on uh, an outside shot, rainy house. Um, there's a man who's in the like library or study room. Um, and one thing I noticed is that all these people who are haunted always have these really nice houses. Right. What the fuck, dude? So the phone rings. Uh, he doesn't want to answer it, but he eventually does. We see on the caller ID it's coming from the number SHA33. Uh, the lady on the other line, he d identifies her as Linda, and uh, he told her that she had to stop calling, and she keeps begging him to come to her. So he hangs up, and she calls back. And again, he's begging her to leave him alone, and that she loves him. Um, and don't you love me? And so he hangs up and she calls again and then he beats the phone, rips it out from the wall, throws it on the ground and then it starts ringing again. And so he says, okay, you win. I'm coming and shoots himself. So I'm sitting on the couch and Frank is sitting right next to me watching this episode with me. And as soon as he pulls the gun out, Frank goes, it's a huge gun. That would blow his head all over the room. And then it cuts to the phone and the blood splatter. And he goes, yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty accurate. I just thought it was kind of funny. His, like, side commentary. As like, right. Right. <laughs> <coughs> um, so we then we go to Sam and Dean. And Dean is asking Sam if he's found anything. Because Sam is coming out of the college, right? Yeah. He's approaching Dean. And Sam says that they don't know anything. Uh, so we know that he's been talking to the professors, presumably about helping Dean. Right. And Dean tells him that they're going to go on this case that Bobby has. And Sam is confused as to why Bobby and Dean are talking about a case when they're already on a case. Saving Dean from hell. And at first, Dean skirts the truth, saying that they haven't found any help, they haven't found Bella, they just want, and he just wants to do his job. And Sam's like, I, I really think we should stick with my idea and try at least try summoning Ruby. It can't hurt anything. Um, and so Dean finally tells Sam that the truth that she told him that it can't happen. She can't help. Nobody can help. It's not gonna happen. Um. So they kind of have a little fight. And well, because Sam's like, you, you know, know were you planning on telling right. me? Now we're keeping secrets. Right. And I wrote that. They get on each other's cases, kind of, about keeping secrets from each other. And I just wrote, oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> well, because Dean's like, do you really want to talk about who's keeping secrets from who? And I'm like, oh, here we go. Yeah. And luckily, it didn't go further than that because yeah. it would have just been like, come on, guys. That would have been a whole episode. Exactly. <laughs> And we're just now getting started, too. Right. Like, it, it only, <laughs> it only goes, goes downhill from here. from here. So, they go to this case that Bobby and Dean were talking about, um, about a guy who blew his head off after getting weird calls and hearing static. <laughs> so, Dean's talking to Miss Wat Waters, and he's asking her if she noticed anything like that, weird phone calls or static. Um... And she's telling them no, and she's, you could tell she's visibly annoyed and upset because she's already gone over all of this with cops and already. I, I like how she's annoyed because that's something that you don't ever really see with the bereaved. Right. Uh, but it's totally plausible. Like, oh, yeah. I would just be so 
annoyed and pissed off at everybody who was trying to talk to me. So yeah, absolutely. kudos to her for just right. being honest about it. And then Dean goes, ma'am, it's a capital offense to hold <laughs> withhold information from the police. <laughs> you Sam just clears his throat yeah. in the back. <clears throat> shakes in, his head. <laughs> and Frank, who's sitting next to me, who is a cop, he just, he snorts and he goes, capital offense. <laughs> I thought yeah, that was pretty I amusing. Yeah, I love that part. <laughs> Withholding information from the police is a capital offense. And she just looks at him like, <laughs> Sam. <"What?" laughs> She's shaking no, his no. head. Oh, no. <laughs> so then, whatever he says, she decides to tell them more information. So she tells the guys that they're... Uh, she heard her husband talking to a woman named Linda on the phone, but when she picked up the line... Nobody was there. It was just static. And her husband was talking to nobody. Uh, so then the guys are in the motel room. They find out it's a Linda. Or Dean is like, she was a babe. It was a Linda Bateman. <laughs> uh, they were actually high school sweethearts hit by a drunk, di- dr- drunk driver. And she died. And uh, the number that is calling the SHA 33 is over 100 years old. Yes. So they decide to go to the phone company. (laughs) And they introduce themselves as Sam Raimi, or not, no. Nope, not Sam Raimi. (laughs) They introduce themselves as Raimi and Campbell, which is Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell, Evil Dead. There you go. Uh, original choice for John Winchester was Bruce Campbell. I remember hearing that somewhere. So, I don't know. I... I'm glad that that did not pan out, to be honest. I don't think that would have worked. No. He's just not the right kind of character. Yeah. He would just be a little... It would almost be like a little too over the top. Oh, yeah. You know? And that would just kind of kill the whole movie. He's too caricature Right. He's like always very exaggerated. I love him more than anything. Oh, me too. But he's great This would have been a wrong cast with the room. Because it would have ruined everything about... John Winchester. Right. And we don't like John Winchester. And then and we'd end up liking him. <laughs> right. Um, but anyway, they tell them that they're from headquarters. The phone company headquarters. <laughs> and I love this because the guy's like, we don't usually see people from headquarters. And Dean's like, yeah, the main office said there was going to be a lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Dean, Dean, yep. True to character. Yeah. <laughs> so they go and they meet Stewie. Who's just working in utter filth. It's disgusting. Utter There's filth. flies all over the place. Yeah. You th- I think the management would have stepped in at this yeah. point. Yeah. Well, I guess we know why, actually. Well, yeah. But, but I anyway. mean, from our perspective at that point, like, what how would they let this go? And he has nothing but porn up on the screen. Right. And he's like, spam virus. I don't know, I don't know what's go- And Dean, bestiasianbeauties.com. And the guy's like, what? No. And he turns around and it says, Busty Asian Beauties. <laughs> and then Dean, platinum membership worth every penny. <laughs> so at first, Stewie doesn't want to run the trace because he's like, no, it's dumb, basically, because it's such an old number. <laughs> and Dean's and then like... <laughs> Dean gets really stern uh, and 
as he's backing up, he's like very proud of himself. And Sam, instead of being like rolling his eyes or what you would normally expect Sam yeah. to do, he he like approves. He's like, hmm, and good he job. gives dude. He's giving Stewie like such the stink eye. Like the whole time, Dean telling you, if we tell you to run that I number, know. you run that number. And Sam's back there, like, yeah, yeah. get him, it Dean. Was so I was like, yes, this is a perfect brother moment, you yeah, guys. It was really wonderful. good. Um. I just put a little happy face. Sam approves. I just liked that so much, how Sam was all. He did that, like, frown thing that he's that really he does. good at. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Seems legit. Good job. So Stewie can't tell them where the number comes from, but he can tell them that it's called 10 different houses in the last two weeks. And he gives them, you know, the list. And, uh, and then he's like, are you guys done? Because I was kind of busy. Right. <laughs> and Dean's yeah. like... Yep, and I'm like, ew. That's gross, guys. God. <laughs> so they split up to go check out the houses. Sam basically gets shut down right away at the house he goes to. He's talking to the dad, and, like, the little son is up there. And he's asking him if they've heard, you know, weird noises or static over the phone or weird phone calls. Or weird voices. And yeah, and the dad's like, what? No. But then we see the daughter come up behind, and you can tell she's kind of like, she probably knows there's something going on because of the look she gives him. Right. So Sam leaves and the girl follows him out and she basically calls him out saying that he's not who he says he is because of his rental car and his cheap suit. So why does everybody always say they have cheap suits? I guess they're cheap suits. I don't I think I would. I am not a suit uh, person. Right. So. I was going to see if you were like, maybe Shannon knows suits. No. I would, yeah. <laughs> I, would, I never looked at their suits and got, those are cheap. I mean, anybody who's a suit connoisseur would probably get really mad at me for saying this. And maybe if I saw him up close and in person, yeah, I would know that's the true. difference between, like, an Armani and, like, something you bought well, at Sears. Well, yeah. I mean, I could see that difference, but, like, I mean, there's obviously a middle ground somewhere. Right. And know? I feel like a phone company person is not going to be walking around. In, in, like, a real high-end suit. Right. They probably they would have probably a have a cheap suit. Right. I wouldn't be able to tell just, a middle end to a cheap. Right. I mean, maybe like real cheap, you know, patches on the elbows or whatever. Right. Like but, obviously you got it in a thrift shop cheap, but like, yeah, the, these I've never understood. But the what whole. he's wearing looks pretty good to me. I think he looks great. <laughs> yeah. I would never have been able to. But be I guess like, maybe I wouldn't actually suit. just be looking at the suits. Uh-uh. Yeah. You would not. No. I don't think either of us would be. No. Reaching my hand out slowly. <laughs> Can I feel your suit? <laughs> How cheap is this, really? Um, but she calls him out, and uh, he he's like, "Yeah, you're right, I, but we're both keeping secrets." And he does the same thing, you know, and yeah. he gets her to open up and talk to her him. And she basically tells him that she has been getting phone calls from her dead mother. For, uh, and her mom's been three years dead, and it started about a week ago. I do want to say that it's really, <coughs> um, it's really lucky for them that Sam is the one who showed up at that house and not Dean. Oh, absolutely. Because oh, that would have just gone totally south if Dean had been there, so yeah, thank, thank the fates that it was Sam. Very different interaction. Yeah, yeah they never would have gotten any information out of her. Dean's interaction, though, was with an 84-year-old woman who was talking, not just talking, but having phone sex with, with her, her dead, dead husband. husband. <laughs> Which, uh, you know, 
reinvented the word necrophilia for him as he's saying this and some hot chick is walk- walking by and she like scoffs at, at him. him uh-uh. <laughs> um, so they hang up. Sam and Dean hang up and then Dean gets a phone call from John Winchester. That was so creepy. Yeah. I was like, oh. I should have known this was going to happen. Right. It was totally set up. Yeah. But it was just still, it was still pretty damn creepy when he was like, dad and go, well, just when he was like, Dean. And I'm like, oh no. Yeah. It's <laughs> just right like, away all. <gasps> not John. Yeah. So Dean tells Sam that their dad called and he's like, what do I, you know, and he's talking, he's like, well, what do I say if he calls me back? What am I supposed to do? What do I say? And Sam goes, hello? <laughs> yeah. Um. So here's the thing about that interaction, because Dean, understandably gets kind of pissed um first i don't really know what he was expecting sam to say but also sam could have been a little bit more uh, empathetic right (laughs) in his response so i mean um, through this whole episode sam never believes that it's actually john which i mean is good which is fine right and totally legit and is what dean should also be doing right but obviously he's going to be affected differently because he was so attached to john well that and because his dad sold his soul and now his dad is reaching out to him and so dean sees it as a possible way to save his own life exactly you know so dean is going to latch onto this right. a lot easier and a lot faster than sam ever would yes at this point and as we see it it happens exactly that way in this episode but i just i laughed when he said that but i was like come on sam yeah me too i was like jesus christ sam that was a real dick thing to say but i thought it was really funny though <coughs> on the other, the other side of that coin, if you will. But yeah, Dean gets really mad, and he's like, "Hello, that's what you, that's what you come back with." So he leaves, but he comes back, and he's asking Sam if he's found anything. And Sam says, three hours of research, and he can't find anything." And one of these days, I want Sam to say he can't find deadly squat. <laughs> It would just be, and he throws his pencil down, and he's like, I can't find diddly squat. Come on. <coughs> I'm going to write. Write them. I am. I'm like, write them a letter. I'm a dying fan, and I have one. <laughs> oh my God. I have one request. I want to see Sam say diddly squat. You got a button made, you know? Maybe you can get a, a line in the Exactly. Show. I've got I've got some weight. Bring it up at the convention. Mm. See what happens. There we go. Um... Dean makes fun of Sam. He's like, well, I guess the Stanford College didn't really pay off. Because <laughs> Dean finds out that they're actually in the birthplace of Thomas Edison, and there's a museum that is housing the spirit phone that Thomas Edison made be- and was convinced that you can communicate with the dead. Did you know that that's true? hmm That he was actually super into ghosts and stuff. Yeah. Tom Edison was a weird guy. So they go to the museum. I love and then doing the tour, the, the tour. chick is talking about it. And Dean's like, what's with the Cody fingers? And this fucking tour guide, like every other word, she's just air quoting everything. Holy shit. Settle down with the Cody fingers. I just, Which I is love what I'm going to call though. it from now on. I love her though. It's just so funny. And we're walking. And we're, walking, and and we're, we're not, not touching, touching that. that. And we're walking. <laughs> so Dean thinks the phone might actually be like a tower kind of emitting a signal. Since the phone actually isn't working or plugged in or anything. Sam agrees that could be the case, but he doesn't know why it would just start working all of a sudden. And then Dean says, well, as long as the moldies are calling the freshies, it's the best reason we got. <laughs> oh, I didn't 
catch that like yeah because the moldies are calling the freshies yep i had to rewind it so he was like hang on did he just say that who wrote this episode john carver jeremy jeremy carver okay kudos jerry right exactly (laughs) so i wrote here you know this is where it's i think it's kind of evident that dean's judgment because you can tell it's in this whole conversation that sam's like i don't really know about this but dean's judgment is definitely clouded hoping that it really is john calling yes and sam's very hesitant to really believe that it's it's really people's uh Loved ones, loved ones. Right. Which, I mean, and it's frustrating because that's the logical assumption at this point. You know, right. if you're actually doing a, a hunting this case, that's what you start from. You don't assume that it's dead people. You try and figure out right. where the calls are coming from and then you know who the monster is. But Luckily, there's two of them because if it was just one hunter, they'd be screwed. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah. And I'm sure it could have gone either way for, I mean, any other hunters, you know, a single hunter showing up and... You know, in Bobby's case, his wife calling. Right. You know. Yeah. But anyway, so Dean gets a call from John later that night. Sam's sleeping. Dean goes into the bathroom and John is telling uh, Sam or Dean that the demon who holds Dean con- Dean's contract is there in the town and he knows how to get them. He knows how to get Dean out of the deal. Then it goes to Lainey, who's the first girl that we met Sam talk to. And she's IMing with her mom. And her mom's talking about wanting to see her. And then all of a sudden the monitor goes black and we see the mom coming up behind her. (coughs) (coughs) Lainey freaks out, turns off the monitor. Then the monitor blinks back on and just says, come to me over and over and over and over again. I feel so bad for that girl. And she is so much less freaked out than I would have been. Right? And oh, I was, my God. And one of my notes that I wrote here is that we see that whole bit with the screen, the words on the computer screen repeating themselves over and over again. <clears throat> the first time I remember seeing that was in Ghost. Oh, do yeah. Remember, do you remember it from anywhere else? Because, I mean, we see it a lot, but that's the earliest I can remember seeing it. I'd have to think about it. Um, yeah. I probably wouldn't even remember Ghost until you told me. <laughs> I love that movie. That movie is so great. It is. But yeah, I remember I remember it in Ghost. I can't think off the top of my head any other instances where it happens on a computer. I'm sure it happens even more now with all those like, right. you know, horror movies through you know the webcam or whatever all that shit that the kids are into these days unfriended or whatever that was unfriended oh yeah (laughs) it was all i guess it was kind of interesting concept that it was all the entire movie supposed to be from the aspect of a webcam but it was really bad i thought yeah so (laughs) i can't believe you watched it (laughs) well i watched everything anyway so where were we so we John calls. So we we find out that Dean actually told everything to Sam because they're talking about it in the morning about an exorcism that John gave to Dean saying that it was like 15th century dark ages stuff that actually kills demons. It doesn't just exorcise them. And Bobby and Sam checked it out too. And Sam is like, well, it's definitely an exorcism, but there's no proof that it 
it kills. kills. Right. You know? But Dean is just very gung-ho to try it anyway. Because yeah. he's totally convinced that his dad is there trying to help him save Understandably. So... Sam is going to leave to go uh, talk to Lainey and Dean gets in a fight with him because he's mad that he doesn't want to help. After this whole time they spent together searching for a way to save Dean's life and now they have one and Sam just wants to leave to go talk to Jailbait. Yeah. Um, but Sam's just like, Sam's also upset because he's acting on blind faith. and Which Dean... is pretty ironic. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> but Dean retorts. That's all he has yeah. right now. Which is like, well, isn't that both all you've had this whole time? But anyways, Sam's like, just don't leave. Just let me go do this because I told her I'd be there. Don't go anywhere. When they get back, we'll figure it out. Right. So Sam leaves to go talk to Lainey. Um, and so we get to see Sam talking to Lainey and she's telling him about the bad things that the mom was telling her to do. All the while we're seeing the little boy get a phone call on his toy phone from mom right which is really creepy and then it cuts back to laney and she's basically telling sam that mom wanted her to kill herself take all, to the take all pills. the sleeping pills yeah. right but then she says something that basically is a trigger for sam and he realizes what's up because she tells him that it kept saying come to that me that she wanted her to go to her and sam was like <coughs> what exactly did it say and she right. said come to me and that's when Kind of the, the flip switch, the switch flips, the flip switches. <laughs> yeah, that's what got Sam's wheels turning. And he knew right away that it was no longer really dead people. Right. And he tells he knew her, what that's right not away. your mother. Right. Meanwhile, Dean gets a call from the dad and well, he. Oh, did, what about when the little boy goes to cross the street? Did we already pass that? It It's not there yet. It's not. Because okay. it cuts back to Dean. He gets a call from John. Okay. Okay. And he's packing up the stuff to go perform fight the, the exorcism, yeah. right? Uh, and then that's when it cuts back to Simon just walking in the middle of the street, almost getting murdered by a truck, and so, Sam just saves his life. How do they film these scenes with kids? Because you see, that's another thing you've seen more than once with little kids crossing streets with cars just zooming around them. Uh-huh. How do they do that? Like, what the fuck? It's very, very controlled. Well, yeah, but it just—it <laughs> still would be pretty scary. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um. This, what I thought, was the truck doesn't even fucking stop. Right. He honks. He almost kills a child. And, he and just then just keeps, keeps going. Right. Like, you could at least, like, pull over and be like, you guys okay? Sorry. Okay, right. bye. Right. No, he just... Because I was, like, waiting for to see brake lights or something. Cause right. Sam pulls him onto the median and he's right. just sitting there. And you just see the truck drive on Drive on by. Never even stops. Well, all right, then. And then Dean, or Sam calls Dean to tell him it's not dad, that it's a crocata. And Dean goes, is that a sandwich? <coughs> Sam explains everything. Their scavengers mimic, they mimic loved ones. They whisper, come to me, lure you into the dark, and swallows your soul. Dean says, "He make that makes sense. And asks, do they live in filth? And he's like, Yeah. The flies at the phone company, and they they both understand each other, and they hang up. Right. Sit. Do you have stuff on the crocata? I do. Yeah. Did do you, you want to do that now? Yeah, sure. Um. So crocata, um, are not human or humanoid. They're actually uh, 
what's called a dog wolf is how it's described in Indian Ethiopia. Uh, ultimately, it's believed that this mythical creature is actually um, just old accounts of the spotted hyena. Uh, so here's what is said about crocodiles. Um, they are believed to be bisexual and they can become male and female in alternate years. And the female is able uh, to bear offspring without uh, needing to actually have sex with the male. Um, it hangs out among shepherds at homesteads and learns how to simulate their speech. Uh, it picks up the name of one of them so it can call it out, call that person out, and then eat them. Um, it also has been said to imitate a person being sick, which would attract dogs to them so they could eat the dogs. Uh, it digs up corpses and eats corpses. Um, its eyes have a thousand variations of color. It does not have teeth, but it has a long ridged bone that stretches from ear to ear. Uh, and when its shadow falls upon dogs, they are struck dumb. So dogs can't bark when they see them. Hmm. So here's things that are true about spotted hyenas. Um, their scientific name is Crocuta Crocuta, which originates from the Crocodile myth. Um, they are known to have very similar voices to humans, especially with their famous laugh, the hyena laugh. Right. Um, they have very, very powerful jaws and very large teeth. So that kind of lends to the whole not having separate teeth, but one long tooth. Um, they are the most social of all carnivores with a social structure that's similar to primates. Uh, they're much more competitive, though. There's a lot of killing and uh, the females tend only to their own children as opposed to primates where it's more like a tribe and everybody takes care of everybody's kids. Um, they are the most flexible as far as hunting goes. Um, they will hunt alone. They will hunt in packs of two to five or they will also hunt in very large groups. Uh, they run through large herds and select an individual that they would then separate from the herd uh, and eat it. They also do dig up human corpses and eat them. Um, they are able to digest skin and bone and other animal waste, and they make the most efficient use of animal matter of all of the African carnivores. They also are known to have a very long interaction with humanity, dating back to the what's called the Upper Paleolithic period, which is anywhere between uh, 50,000 and 10,000 years ago. Uh, there are carvings and paintings of them found in caves in West Africa. And in those, they are often depicted as hermaphrodites and uh, as grave robbers. Hyenas are scary. Dude. So you know what I did after I read all of this? I oh. went and uh, YouTubed videos of hyenas laughing. No, that's a terrible idea. Oh my god, it is so creepy. It's very creepy, and it's not even just the laughing; they like scream. Right, right, right. And like it's the, and it's just it's wrong. It is. <laughs> Animals should not make those noises. No, like it's fucked up. Yeah, because I mean, I'd heard the laughing before, but not right. um, the screeching. Yeah, and there's not even just screeching. There's like what sounds like seriously like <coughs> mumbling. Right. You know, like it's I mean, terrifying. it's just it is. It's not the same, but to me, it's terrifying because it's so close to home. But we have a watering hole right across the street uh -huh. where the coyotes like to oh, meet up. Oh, no. And they sound like screaming children. Yeah. Coyotes are horrible. When they're doing their yipping. Yeah. I remember the very first time Logan encountered it, it was really late at night. And because it's right across the street from us and the acoustics out there are great. Well, yeah. It sounds 
literally like it's right under the window. Oh. So it's it's starting to happen one night. And it sounds like fucking children of the corner out there, oh. you know, running around in circles with fire. You right. Know, just screaming. And I just see Logan's, like, silhouette come into my room because we're both in bed. And he goes, Mom, what's that? <laughs> I'm like, it's just coyotes running there across the street. Do you want to come in here? And he's like, oh, no, I'm okay. I just, I didn't know what that was. And I'm like, yeah. It's, that's, it's just coyotes. Oh, I hate coyotes. It's awful. I hate them. Ugh. Yeah, Frank hates coyotes because they killed one of his cats. Oh, did they really? Yeah. Scratch. What a bunch of dickweeds. Yeah. Yeah. They but just scare you me. You can't let cats or small dogs outside if you live up in that, there yeah because no, no. things will eat them right namely coyotes. the only reason we can let kruger out being a small dog is because he's always outside with his big brothers oh right you know the yeah. two big dogs are gonna make sure he's not carried away by a hawk or an <laughs> owl and the coyotes won't come around when the, dogs when the are big there. ones are out there yeah. yeah but anyway so was, did you have more on that or no i just thought that was pretty interesting i thought that was really cool to actually like hyena Right. That's it just, makes sense to me because they're creepy yeah. as fuck. So. Yeah. Well, that, and I like how in the show they mimic people's voices and, and learn their names. And right. Like that, so. Yeah. It's all very similar to what, except for the whole that they're not humans at all. <laughs> <coughs> right. They're actually just dogs. Right. So, Sam goes to the phone company alone. And, you know, he's assuming that Dean's going to be there. Right. Uh, soon, hopefully. He calls Dean again on the phone when he gets there and he says that he's he sees Stewie and he's leaving and he needs to hurry. Mm-hmm. Hangs up and he goes and he attacks Stewie and he's like telling him he knows what he is and he's going to kill him. And Stewie's just like begging for his life. He <laughs> does not know what the hell's going on. And makes that confused face like, this isn't how I thought this was going to go. Right. <laughs> and then Clark comes up. Clark is Stewie's boss. Comes up behind um, Sam and knocks him out. And Stewie's like, yeah, oh, yeah. That's what happens when you mess with the phone company, do we? Yeah. My favorite line. That's exactly That's what he says. That's my favorite line. <laughs> so then Sam wakes up, and they're both he and Stewie are tied. Uh, tied up inside the phone company. And Sam is pleading with Clark not to kill Stewie. And I'm like, Really? Again, you just saw somebody die the last episode. So Clark kills Stewie, then his face turns into like a snake face, and he sucks his soul out of him. And then I wrote, Sam watches a lot of people die in front of him. Yeah, poor Sam. So then that's when Sam realizes that Clark was actually who he talked to, not Dean. He actually hasn't even talked to Dean since they split. You know what I do like about Sam is he's really good at doing that whole, like, luring the story out of the antagonist. So they'll just stand there explaining to you how incredibly intelligent they are and how... Yeah, the villain's demise. Sam's very good at at doing that. So Clark Clark goes and, like, starts dry humping the, like, (laughs) phone board. (laughs) Sam's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm going to kill your brother now. Or, you know, somebody... Who knows? We don't know how it's going to end, but yeah. And so some random dude gets a call from his presumed dead daughter, dead daughter. And the dead daughter tells the guy that the man who killed her is at their home and he needs to go kill him now. So the guy goes, you know, 
or it goes back to Dean. So we can assume that he's going to be going to try to kill Dean. Um, Sam tells Clark that Dean's not going to fall for it. He won't kill the guy. And Clark says, well, that's fine. The guy will just kill him. So then Dean and that guy fight. Dean, like, kicks the shit out of him. (laughs) Cuts back to Clark and Sam. And Clark is attacking Sam. But Sam has been ready because while the guy was talking, he untied himself and they fight. Goes back to Dean and the father. Dean had trapped him in a devil's trap, so he thinks. Because he thinks this is the demon that holds his contract. And he starts doing the exorcism and the guy just walks out. And And he's like, like, what the fuck fuck are you doing? And Dean's like, how did you do that? And that's when Dean realizes that he's been had. Right, because the guy keeps saying, is this what you did to my daughter? Is this what you did to my daughter? And Dean's like, I think there's been a mistake. Yeah. Um, So we go back to Sam and Clark fighting. And Sam actually is able to impale Clark on like a tool rack thing and stab him in the back of the neck. We see this a lot (coughs) in this show. People dying (coughs) by getting stabbed through the back of their faces or their heads or their necks. Like... We just saw it, it in the last just one. Happen. We saw it in this one. We saw it in uh, Bad Day at Black Rock. Uh, the guy, I can't remember his name now, the one who first had the rabbit's foot and he slips and falls in the, oh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. And the fork goes through the back of his head. Wayne or Grossman? Grossman's the other guy, so he's got to be Wayne. Wayne. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it just happens a lot in this show. Like, whose idea is that? <laughs> Somebody likes severing the spinal cord, I guess. Ugh, I don't it's know. It's so gross. <laughs> but yeah, so that's how Clark dies. It's quick and easy, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, so that's how you kill these things in particular, though, um, because that's how we saw, you know, Sam was about to kill Stewie when he attacked him. He was holding the knife to the oh, back of his neck. Oh, okay. So I think, okay. I think it's very specific to them that it was mm-hmm. supposed to be through the back of the neck. They just didn't make that very clear. Right. Um, Dean convinces the guy that he did not kill his daughter. And which I guess works because then the next scene is Sam and Dean back in the hotel. Sam actually apologizes for it not being their dad. And he feels kind of bad for Dean. And Dean admits that he gave, he probably gave Sam too hard of a time during this because of how bad he wanted it to be true. Um, and Sam tells him not to worry about it. And Dean's like, I, I can't. I have to worry about it. And, that, and then he says he's scared. He's really scared. And he's a desperate man clinging on to nothing. Only one who can get... Only one who can get myself out of this is me. And then Sam says, and, and me. me. And Dean goes, and me? And me? I'm having a deep revelation and that's what you come back with? And Sam goes, <laughs> want me to write a poem? And Dean, the moment's gone. I was like so happy. All Wow, Sam was a smart ass. <laughs> I love the look on Dean's face when he's handing him the beer. Like, yeah. Son of a bitch. Oh, you ruined my moment. <laughs> <coughs> I just love that part. And it's just, just a good shot at the end of both of them taking their swigs at the same time. Right, right. Another good little bro moment. Exactly. You would think that the feelings that Dean is expressing in these last few episodes would, like, with knowing what he knows about how he feels about going to hell and all of that, it would maybe, like, change his decision making later on. 
in this series. Because he still makes some pretty stupid decisions. No. It's not going to change shit. Yeah. He's too, like, bullheaded. Yeah. You know? Strong-willed for that kind of thing. Yeah. They both are. It's just... They never learn lessons. They don't. (laughs) They get taught very good lessons. And they (laughs) don't... Ever learn anything from them. They don't retain that, ever. Yeah. Fucking Winchesters, man. So, when Sam and Dean get in the fight because Sam wants to go leave to talk to uh, Lainey, Mm -hmm. and uh, Dean's like, all right, good luck with that. Watch out for Chris... Chris Hansen. Hansen. I was like, who the fuck is that? Oh, you didn't know who Chris Hansen was? (laughs) No. So, if anybody else out there doesn't know... uh, it's an NBC reporter from Dateline who tracks down sexual predators and who would find their uh, victims on the internet. And I was like, oh, that makes sense now. Sorry. Because normally There's... I get the references like right. as I'm watching. And right. that one, I was like, I don't know who Chris, who that is. There's a really great episode of South Park with okay. a joke about Chris Hansen. Uh, I, I'd have to go into a lot of explaining to get it. But basically, through a miscommunication, uh, a bunch of pedophiles are showing up at a convention and oh uh, Chris Hansen is there, and as every single one of them walks in, they're like, Chris Hansen, and they just shoot themselves in the head. Oh, my God. <laughs> it just keeps happening over and over. It makes me laugh so hard. Yeah, Chris <laughs> Hansen is a very famous internet meme also, so you should look up some of those. They're fucking hilarious. Okay. All right. Yes. <laughs> oh, and Dean's voicemail was Herman Munster. Oh, yeah. <laughs> from, obviously, the Munsters. The, Munsters. the Frankenstein lookalike. Body count in this one is three. Um, there's no music in this. No lyrical music or... Right. Yeah, it's all original score. Um, I, I really have like a favorite moment in this episode. It was hard for me, but I just ended up going with the end. Right. The whole... When they're talking. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the only one who can get myself out of this. And Sam's like, and me. Yeah. And he's like, really? That was good. I did like that. Um... And so, also, my favorite line is, do you want... A poem? Do you want me to write you a poem? Yes. Yeah. My favorite line is Stewie. Right. That's the what weed. happens when you mess with the phone company. He's just, like, so proud of himself. <laughs> that part made me laugh so much. Yeah. It's a good one. Yeah. Um, I mean, not a bad episode. No, no, yeah, no. But not... Just, you know, regular. Yeah. It was kind of like... It's weird because it was, like, a filler um, and they don't have a lot of those in, in season, season three. three. Right. Yeah. So it was kind of weird. Because it, it doesn't really move the plot forward or nope. give us any more information. It was just kind of like a monster of the week. Yeah, exactly. Which I'm totally fine with. Yeah. But it was unexpected, I guess, for season three. Right. most of them have all been like really... Yeah. Moving the story along. Yeah. This means something. Anyway, that's all I have. Anything from you? Um, no. (coughs) I had another thing about creepy phone calls, but it's kind of long, so maybe we can do that later. Unless you want me to do it now. Well, I think it... Well, now I have to, don't I? Well, yeah, you brought it up, (laughs) and I don't think it's really going to be relevant for any other episode. That's true. Um, because I was having a hard time finding things about Crocata, but it turns out it was because I was spelling it wrong. <laughs> so I found those after I found this. Um, because I started just looking for haunted phone calls and it was a lot of really stupid shit. Like, right. It was my wife's phone on the Connor ID, but her phone was off. Oh, okay. Um, 
But I found a story about a man named Bashir Kushakji. Uh, he lived in Lebanon, and in the 70s, he moved to the United States and, became, and eventually became a citizen here. In June in 1974, he was visiting Beirut, and he was kidnapped by terrorists and held captive for five days while he was tortured. Uh, we don't know why he was kidnapped. He's just like a restaurant manager from the United States who was visiting Beirut. Uh, but while he was being held, he assumed he was going to die, and so he attempted suicide, <laughs> and the terrorists took him to the hospital. Um, <coughs> where he was able to escape and come back to the United States. Obviously, he has a lot of PTSD from that. Yeah. Uh, so after returning to the United States in 1997, he opened a Marrakesh restaurant in Philadelphia, which was very, very successful. And so he decided to open a second one in Washington, D.C. When they started construction at that location, a phone line was installed. And that's when these weird phone calls started happening. Um, at first, the phone would ring and there'd just be, like, dead air or, like, the caller would just hang up. Um, Bashir got an answering machine and plugged it in. And uh, when he would go get messages, there would be these messages where it was just, like, this really weird laughter or, like, a voice. You know, people make that type noise, right. like, just doing that. Um, so when the restaurant opened, this caller called every day and many, many, many times a day. Um Bashir and the employees ended up making a name for him called L'Enfant, which is French for the young one or the little boy, because he had a very high-pitched sounding voice. Uh, he would demand money from people. He would threaten to kill the people who answered the phone. He would just scream obscenities, or he would just babble in these really gross, disgusting, like, lewd-type comments at people. Um, it got really weird because then he'd start Im imitating other kinds of voices, and so he'd call in and pretend to be, like, a little girl or, like, do these really exaggerated type accents of people from around the United States. Um, because of all of this, there was actually a really high rate of turnaround of employees because they were so creeped out by all these phone calls. It's even said that one of the employees checked into a hospital for a month because of anxiety and panic attacks because of these phone calls. Jesus. Um, it was all very personally attacking Bashir, though. They knew who his girlfriend was, his pregnant girlfriend. Her life was threatened many times. Uh, his Mercedes was vandalized. Somebody scratched the Star of David all over it. Um, he would go to visit the restaurant in Philadelphia, and the phone calls would start happening at the restaurant in Philadelphia while he was there. Um, every time he entered the Washington, D.C. restaurant, every single time, the person would call when he walked, like right when he walked through the door. Um, the only thing that he could think of is that it was somehow related to the kidnapping that had happened. Right. But there's no real, like, nobody knows, even knows why that happened, you know? So, um, eventually, local law enforcement put a trace on the line, and the FBI even got involved and put their own trace on the line. They were never able to actually identify the person who was calling, but they were able to find out, and this is where it gets fucking creepy, is that these phone calls were coming from a very large number of payphones all around the Washington, D.C. metro area. So that indicates that this was definitely more than one person and probably, like, a group of people that was doing this. <laughs> and so then I'm, like, looking for, like, how often are we talking when we say they called a lot in one day? So I found a record of calls they received on July 14th in 1987. <laughs> These are by time. This is fucking insane. 9.53 a.m. in that one minute, they received two phone calls. 9.54 a.m., they received two phone calls. 1123, then 1124, 1132, 119, 
132, 2 o'clock, 312, at 412, again in one minute, they received two phone calls, 413, 416, 448, and then 925 in the evening. So in a 12-hour period, they got 17 phone calls on this line from this person. And it's estimated that in about three to four years, he received 7,000 phone calls. Oh, my God. Um, That's a lot of quarters. I know. He actually ended up checking himself into a psychiatric hospital, and he, I don't know about now, I wasn't able to find a whole lot about him now, but this was like in the early 90s. At that point, he was pretty much living there. Um, he would still leave and go, uh, manage the restaurant and he would sometimes stay with friends or family, but he always ended up going back when the stress got too unbearable. Um, I was only able to find documentation that as of 1992, the calls were still happening, um, just much less frequently. And sometimes like they would go three days between phone calls, but they were still coming at that point. So I'm assuming he would try to change his phone number and it didn't matter. No. I mean, I guess as a business, it'd have to be publicly listed anyway. Well, and, and also as a business, you don't want to keep changing your number like that, you exactly. know? Exactly. So, yeah. Um, that was just really... That's really creepy. That's fucking weird. That's just weird. You know what I mean? Like, why... Oh, I don't know what I would think about that. I'd be pretty upset. Hell yeah. If that happened to me. Especially if you're just, like, some normal dude. It's making me uncomfortable. Yeah. When I read when I read through that log of like the how many times they happened in that one day, I was just like, like skin crawling, creeped out. All that right, is yeah. fucked up. Ugh, I don't like. Yeah. That. All right, that's my creepy phone call <laughs> story. It's a really good creepy <laughs> phone call story. It made me all uneasy. It made me very uncomfortable when I first read about it. I read a lot about it too, and finally had to make myself stop. <laughs> all right. So if you guys aren't there already, please check out the website thewaywardfans.com. You can see all of our podcasts there. Check out news and eventually pictures and stuff. It's going to be cool. We will get those. Yeah. We promise. Um, You can comment on the episodes. Let us know how we're doing. Um, There's a contact us on the website. You can also just directly email us, waywardfans at gmail.com. Give us your thoughts, feelings, concerns, questions, comments, anything like that. Um, just let us know what you think, and we'll uh, we'll let we'll you know thank what you. we think. <laughs> thank you for that, and we'll read your email on the air. Yay! Fifteen minutes of fame yep. for you on our big old famous podcast. <laughs> or you can follow us on Twitter at waywardfans underscore spn. Uh, we'll post all of the weekly podcasts there, and sometimes some stupid silly shit that I find on the internet. <laughs> um, and you can also follow us on Facebook. Just search Wayward Fans and we're the first things that pop up. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Shannon's ready to go. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Have a good night. Day. Talk to you next week. See ya. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>